0: no rule that stipulates that Gregory Polanco has to remain on this roster. Furthermore, there's no rule that stipulates that if he's on this roster, he needs to play at all, much less start. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is an especially exasperated edition of Daily Shot of pirates comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey i also offer up daily shots of steelers and penguins where you found this here's a news flash the pirates had a chance to sweep a team for the 11th time they went and blew it they're 0 and 11 now in those settings And no, they still don't have a series sweep of any kind in 2021. An amazing statistic, even within the scope of their overall futility. No other team in the majors lacks a single sweep. And and understand here, when we're talking about sweeps here, the two gamers count if you can pull those off. And... Even that hasn't occurred. The Diamondbacks prevailed in this one by a 5-2 count, and they did so in large part, I felt, because Polanco couldn't handle a David Peralta single that made it past second base, was going right at him, out into right field, And it went right through his wickets, right under his glove. Peralta ends up going to third. The Diamondbacks tie the score at 2-2. And then you just, you don't win those games. You know, you don't wonder after something like that happens. Yeah, are they going to be able to shake it off? No. No. Never, never, never. You do that and you're doomed. And The Pirates' version of Doom can these days be equated with bringing Kyle Keller out of the bullpen, and Keller comes out and gives up a bunch of runs, and that's the end of that. Polanco's got no business playing. And I'm not even going to blame Polanco for that. I'm not going to blame, really, Ben Charrington for that. Charrington famously now put him on waivers, which of course, has only been going on for years now. Polanco has permanent residency on waivers, but that, that thing became a public issue, and most of the public in this town doesn't follow baseball closely enough to know the difference. So it looked like the Pirates released him! They released him! They, they, they didn't release him? They put him on waivers. He's on waivers all the time. So they didn't bring him back, you know? he just never left charrington put him out on waivers of course nobody was going to take him it's worth a shot you have absolutely nothing to lose if someone does take him you're off the hook for 2 and a quarter million dollars this year and a 3 million dollar buyout that the pirates are going to owe him to eat up the remainder of his contract later this winter No one's taking Polanco for $5 and change. No one, no one, no one. So it was just routine. It was just paperwork. But Charrington at least did that. Charrington's other step, of course, could be to do what everyone thought he did, and that's to release him. Just let him go. Maybe he should do that. Maybe he should. But in this setting where you're playing games that you as an organization are claiming are about learning about other players, learning what you have, uh, trying to see whether or not so-and-so is worth an investment into the future, there's zero, no, there's sub-zero logic in putting Polanco out there. This is on the manager. This is on Derek Shelton. For all the other influencing factors that surround all modern managers when it comes to lineup constitution, and that goes double for a team that's made up of younger players, there come... admonitions from on high, hey, we really want to see this guy, you want to get him out there, or we need to see, uh, you'll remember earlier this season when uh, the Pirates mysteriously had Adam Frazier playing in the outfield, even though he could have just as easily stayed at second base where he's a gold glove finalist. Well, why do you do that? Because the Padres and other teams wanted to see if Frazier could handle being in the outfield. Those decisions come from above. For the most part, and I mean the dominant part, A manager makes out his own lineup card the same way he did in 1887. Shelton makes up that lineup card, and he is the one who puts Polanco's name on that card. For what reason? I don't know. I've asked, and he'll just come back with, you know, we're just making out that day's lineup, the way we feel is the best chance gives us the best chance to win, blah, 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 whatever else. And and Polanco, of course, does no such thing. He'll have one amazing event like that game in Milwaukee three weeks ago that I covered where he single handedly just destroyed the Brewers. But more often than not, it looks like the thing from last night. So when the manager is asked about this event about this ball rolling under his glove this was what Shelton had to say last night yeah I just told him to keep his head up I mean I think the grass was a little bit wet and I think it snaked on him and and got underneath his glove and and you know really there's nothing I just told him keep his head up keep playing I really like this manager I respect this manager you guys know that I've given Reasons, detailed reasons, I've given you backstories, I've cited statistics about their improved fundamentals, uh, about their defensive work, all of which reflects very well on the manager, and is arguably, as a collective, more important than this discussion we're having right now. But this is a weak spot. Shelton's got a weak spot. For Polanco, He just does. And, you know, it's easy to have one. I've been around Polanco for years. I love the guy. I hate this segment that I'm doing just for that reason alone. He's tremendous. Everything that you think he is as a guy, from what you've seen or your own experiences with him, if you've had the good fortune to meet him, multiply it many times over. This, frankly, sucks to have to say all this. But he really has no business being on the field for this franchise anymore. And if this manager can't overcome his own weak spot in that regard, then someone needs to tell the manager to stop it. Because real decisions have to be made about players who will really be, possibly, part of the 2022 Pirates. Ben Gamble's not a kid, but you still have to know about Gamble as to whether or not he's going to be part of what you're doing moving forward. You've got a handful of other players that you can see. Stop this already. Just stop it. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always on Daily Shot of Pirates by our friends at the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Open on game days and game nights, as you know, but also open, you know, just like all regular restaurants are. They have normal hours. Don't think of it as just a place that's there for whenever the Pirates are playing. North Shore Tavern is home to Steak on a Stone. It's also home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pittsburgh Baseball Club sports bar. Front to back, wall to wall, ceiling to floor. Go visit our friends at North Shore Tavern across Federal Street from PNC Park. Our question comes from Oren, who asks, Now that we see how the Pirates are going to use the rest of the season to evaluate players and the questions... ...that they have about the future, is it time to talk about the really big question, is there going to be baseball next year? Well, that's not where I thought you were heading there, Warren. But I'm always happy to tackle that subject. Is there going to be baseball next year? My three-word answer, I hope not. And I know that's going to sound counterintuitive. And I know that it's better to have baseball than not. But in this extraordinary circumstance, where these payrolls are so many zillions of light years apart, this sport is broken. It's broken on multiple levels, not just the economic one. These games are interminable. The walks and the strikeouts and the home runs that define the game right now have taken all the fun, all the strategy, all the suspense out of watching the three outcomes. It's terrible, and this union is so, the players' union, so hell-bent on just saying no to everything. It's just a constant war-like mindset on their end that the only way to have anything meaningful happen to address all the things that are wrong with baseball, and I don't apologize for a split second for saying this, is to break them. And the only way to do that is to shut it down. If someone told me right now that a two-year shutdown would result in a salary cap system, the kind that they have in the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, and every other North American professional sports league, I'd sign up in... Before you had a Chance to even put the piece of paper in front of me, I'd sign it. This sport is broken. And it's broken at both extremes. One of the things I'm really tired of hearing constantly is anytime the term salary cap comes up, people think of the term cap and only cap. It's kind of like when people used to refer to climate change as global warming. And it was just a terrible name for the thing. Because what What climate change actually is, it changes things in both directions. It's literally changing the climate. But when people heard global warming, every time it was cold outside, they'd be like, global warming doesn't exist. The same thing applies to this salary cap discussion. They hear cap and they think just about the top end. A salary cap system addresses both ends. It forces the Bob Nuttings and the other owners of the Rays and the Marlins and other teams, it forces them to spend up to a given range. And because of the expanded revenue sharing and everything else that comes into play, the teams at the top are forced to pay down so that everyone can afford to be in that range. The players overall win, and they win big It's just not the Bryce Harpers and the Trevor Bowers getting all of the money. It now goes to all the Jimmys and Joes in the middle range who currently are probably, if you get right down to it, underpaid. Shut it down. Do whatever is necessary. I don't even want to think about what kind of agreement could conceivably be achieved by these two sides in time to start next season. That'll be a gruesome agreement that'll hurt baseball in Pittsburgh for a long, long time. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to this especially exasperated edition of Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow.